The burden is light. In Matthew 11, 28 to 30, a passage you've heard every week, come to me, but man, tattoo it somewhere. Like this is just, you know, on your heart, ideally, but, um, but if you literally want to do that, good choice. Come to me, all you who are, what a word for our season and culture, eh? All you who are weary and burdened, tick, tick, and I will give you rest. Hallelujah, what a promise of Jesus. Take my yoke upon you, as I explained in the first sermon. This is Jesus' set of expectations about it, what it looks like to fulfill the Torah. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. The only time Jesus talks about what his heart is like, he says it's gentle and humble. And Jesus is the full image, he's the, he's the, he's the full representation of what God is like, according to Hebrews chapter 1. So God is humble uh, and gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, again, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What amazing, amazing passage. Uh, this morning I want to talk about um, the ongoing journey that all of us will take throughout our lives to learn what it looks like to live with that light burden. Like we, we preach on this real, relatively regularly, but Jesus wants to shape our lives so that they're rich lives, that they're abundant lives. And, uh, and there's been some distortion in the church over the years theologically that's kind of made it about health, wealth, and prosperity. And it's like that isn't actually um, the reality of the life abundant that Jesus is talking about. Uh, thank goodness on one level, because most of you I know have gone through incredible pain and suffering. Does that mean God doesn't like you? No. <laughs> it's the opposite. He loves you to pieces. He loves you to pieces. So as we go through that stuff, we don't say, we don't have some funky theology there. Where he does want prosperity is in our souls and with our relationships. Like that's where the prosperity comes. And so a body and like our mind and spirit, if that's prospering, then it doesn't matter what you're going through. Like no one can rob that from you. Like you see this in the, like in the epistles, like they go through hell sometimes. Like, I don't know what your worst day has been, but I suspect you won't be able to top some of the disciples' experience of being beaten in prison and facing execution the next day. Unless I'm mistaken, right? Anyone had that? No? All right. Bad day in anyone's books, right? You're like, I get grumpy easy. I get grumpy real easy. And it's like, that would make me real grumpy. Like my three children do a real good job at keeping me grumpy, but I'm like... And I'm trying to work on that. I'm like, what does it look like to have a light burden with you three, three-headed monster kind of going hard all the time? But it's in the midst of the pressure, we see these guys in places like prisons with executions impending, worshipping God, and then falling asleep <clears throat> with the peace of God. So how do you, they were, this wasn't theory for them. It was experienced reality under some of the most incredible pressure a human being can be under. And like we live under pressure. Every single one of you are battling right now. The world, the flesh, and the devil, for starters. Every single person is just battling. And then you've got to throw on top of that a pandemic, an economic thing, a political thing. It's like all the rest of it. And it's like not to mention, again, your tricky boss or whatever it may be. Like there's just pressure. And like 
as we're coming out of COVID, and, and again, I've talked about this a lot, but that wasn't easy that time for me, particularly the first third I found really tricky and I was quite discouraged about where I was at and all that sort of stuff. But it was like, and then it's like, I'm always praying like, Lord, what do you want to say to us? And, and, and Lord, what do you want me to be focusing on as we do series and stuff? And it's like, this is the stuff that comes out, like burden is light. And I'm like, I can't preach this. Can you see the size of the plank out my eye, Jesus? Like, how the heck am I meant to preach about living a light burden when I'm blowing a hoo-hoo valve during COVID? It's like, how's that even? And it's like, this is the time to preach it, to learn not when like life is sweet and, and it's summer holidays and we're dancing in the forest like hippies carefree with no financial or relational or political pressures or whatever. It's like, no, it's actually in the midst of the nitty-gritty reality of life that we learn, Lord, what does it look like to be shaped in such a way that the burden is indeed light and I found rest in my soul? So that's what, so what, we, what I want to talk about today is, uh, is three things, three-point sermon, which is very rare for me, it's more buffet. Well, it will still be a buffet, but I've tried to make it three buffets. Um, the first, first is this, to, to continue to live in this life, number one, we have to have a vision for what that life can look like. So every one of us need to have a vision, like this is, and like not just a, you know, that word we throw around church a lot, but it's like, what I mean by that is that you've actually imagined what your life would feel like living with this life of Jesus, like that you can feel it. So secondly, uh, we need to have wisdom about how to get there. And thirdly, we need patience for the journey. This is a lifelong project, okay? That's what we're going to look at. But the the thing that I want to just unpack before we hit that is, um, like theologically, the, uh, the early church kind of got really excited about these three things. Firstly, that because of the cross, we have been made right with Jesus, justified, this is just the gospel. Like this is the, the 1 Corinthians uh, um, uh, 15, 1 to 4. Paul says, this is what the gospel is. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you take in your stand. By this gospel, you're saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Here's the gospel for, uh, for Paul. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Hallelujah. That's the gospel in a nutshell. The key phrase in there that we often miss is according to the Scriptures. So like Paul's saying, all the Old Testament comes and finds its fulfillment in Jesus. And for us, as we continue with the, uh, with the canon of the New Testament, it's this whole thing of like, all of, like, the, all of this comes to its great crescendo in Jesus, and in him he has stepped into the world. He's, a, a divine transaction has taken place where he has taken upon himself all of our rubbish, all of our sin, all of our brokenness, and then given us his righteousness. Hallelujah. So we've been justified. And so then the church were like, and then there's a process of being sanctified. And so this is where I feel like we've neglected to really put some energy and focus as, as a church, if I'm really honest, as I look around the place, I'm like, it's not, we're, we're very passionate about the justified thing. And we're very clear about that, which is awesome. It's awesome. But then it's sanctification. So what do we mean by that? Philippians 3.16, again, very easy passage to remember because it's the same as John 3.16. I'm not very good with references, but I can remember Philippians 3.16. So now let us live up to what we have already attained. So let us live up to what we have already attained. So Paul is, and he talks about this a number of places. Uh, he's like, you have been declared holy, so now become holy. 
You've been declared righteous, so now become righteous. You've now been given the mind of Christ, so now walk into that mind so that it increasingly becomes your mind. So learn what it, so let us live up to what we've already attained. Another way of saying that would be, let's become who we already are. Let's learn to, to walk again in the way of Jesus, learn of him to become who we already are. And then the third uh, great hope is that one day we'll be glorified, justified, sanctified, and one day we'll be glorified. He will bring that work to completion on the day of Christ. Hallelujah. And then it's like, job done. Woohoo! No more contending, no more stress, no more battle. Like we get to rest with him for eternity and a renewed heavens and earth is going to be absolutely epic. Bring it on. Bring it on. All right, so uh, any, another metaphor, I've got to be careful, I've got to keep on time. Um, another metaphor is like, is, um, is like the um, exodus. Jesus doesn't just want to free you from the slavery, he wants to lead you to the promised land, okay? So it's like, it's all the way through the Bible. It's like, it's not just about getting saved and one day going to heaven, it's seen heaven invade earth now so that more and more you live the way of Jesus. Even with pressure and stress, that it's like, oh, love, joy, and peace are increasingly my experience. Hallelujah, life is good. You know, even in spite of my tricky boss, I've got this kind of inner peace that no one can rob from me. The kids try, they win every now and then, but increasingly as every year goes past, more and more peace, more and more joy. Hallelujah. All right. So, first point, to, to really walk into this, we need to have a vision for what that life looks like. I remember, I'm not going to do this exercise, but I've done it before, because um, I'm kind, I'm a kind pastor. But historic, I have preached this before, where I've, I've made you guys imagine you were in a cold, concrete room, who remembers this, and, uh, and you're sitting in a chair, and uh, it's pitch black, no one, I made you close your eyes last time I did this, um, and so you're sitting in this cold, dark chair in a, in a room, cold bunker, um, and you're naked, but it's, it's pitch black, so no one can see you, so that's good, um, in my case, uh, and you hear that door open, someone walks in and tips all this gooey gunk all over you, and then they walk out, and you're like, what's going on, but you're chained to this chair in this cold, concrete room, and then you hear the sound of thousands of rats being released into the room, and you start to feel them start to claw and nibbling away at all the goo all over you. Awesome, eh? And my big point is simply this. There is, you're, not in, you're not in that room. You're not in that chair. There are no rats. There is no goo. And yet most of you started physically reacting to this, hype, this imagined scenario. And, and the point is that, uh, is that what we imagine about the future dictates how we live in the presence. Like with the promised land, it's like you imagine and you can always feel yourself in that space. Oh, man. And this is where it's so important that as we look at the life of Jesus, we start to capture the invitation to that life abundant. And, you know, love, joy, and peace, the first three fruits of the Spirit, the, the fruit that John's talking about out of John 15, the predominant theme throughout John is that we would, we would uh, form more into people filled with love, joy, and peace. Like, can you stop and imagine what that would be like? Like not just as it, because we, we, well, we baptise all those words into Christianese and it just loses so much of its oomph. Like what would it look like to live a life of love? 
Like where you saw people and you had compassion on them, where you looked around at your friends and family and you're just overwhelmed with love, where you saw that person struggling and and it was like you just had compassion and love for them, where your life wasn't just filled with people that look like you and sound like you, but you'd have a lovely diversity in your life that would enrich you and you'd learn from other cultures, that sort of stuff. Like what would it look like to live that sort of life? Supremely, what would it look like to live a life where it's like you just feel God's love? regularly, like all the time. People have talked about, um, you know, on that uh, Dallas Willard thing, the game of minutes. Like how, how many minutes a day can you just be conscious of God's love for you? Can you imagine what it would be like just to live like that? That's, the, that's love, man. That's an easy one. Joy. How cool is that? It's in the top three. It's number two. Joy. Like what would it look like if you're just giggling a whole lot more? If you had just been silly a whole lot more. I remember years ago now, I had this very profound spiritual experience. I was driving between meetings and, uh, you know, and, and at our previous church, it was, big, it was a mega church and I was executive pastor and worship pastor and campus pastor. I had all these responsibilities. And so all my meetings were like super intense. Um, but between our campuses was like a 15 minute drive. And so normally I was like, you know, good pastor should probably listen to Tim Keller or N.T. Wright or, like, you know, listen to Hillsong or something. But every now and then I just give it over the whole, like, you know. And so I would listen to Hamish and Andy. These are the two uh, comedian guys from Aussie. Um, and listen to their podcast. And I will just giggle. I will just crack up from one meeting to the next meeting. I will just hop in the car and it was total escapism. And it's clean and it's family friendly and it's just genuinely funny rather than comedians trying to be funny, right? And it's like, I just love them. So I listen to them all the time to this day. And as I'm driving, I felt like God said, I want you to listen to these guys more. I'm like, what a great word from the Lord. I'm like, this is, I can do that. Lots of things you ask me, tricky. And it's like, he wants us to live a life of joy more and more. And then he, I felt like I'm saying, I want you to position yourself so that you're in places of joy more and more and more. You have permission to watch Mr. Bean, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't care what it is that makes you giggle. You need more of that in your life. It's a spiritual fruit that you need to cultivate and you need to put some manure on that soil so it gets even more fertile. I don't know where the metaphor's going, but it's like you got to, it's like joy and then peace. Trying to imagine, you've got to have a vision like I'm with church and with kids and with, what does it look like to live a life of peace? Surely that's possible, Lord. <laughs> You know, the jail's got nothing on these three children. Lord, you see how much peace they rob for me, but Lord, and it's like, yes, there can be a peace that's not about these all the stuff. It's about this inner thing of receiving the peace of God, walking in the peace of God. And a lot of that's actually cultivating places of silence and solitude, right? Where it's just like, in a world that's worshipping productivity and go and you're valuable because of how much you do and all that, to just be still, and know that he is God is a great act of resistance in this world that's violently moving too fast. Ah, the peace. I'm pursuing the peace of God. And so this is what it looks like to, to just imagine. I want you to imagine, have a vision. And it's not like, and the thing with, the, with having a vision for this, it's not a vision that discourages you. It's a vision that's like, yes, that could be, that, that is the case, but I want it to be increasingly the case. I want this to be my predominant experience rather than the rare exception. More and more, I want to, I want to walk in this, live in this. So Lord, give me wisdom about how to get there. Um, 
so oh, I won't go through all that stuff. Wisdom. So, so, so we want to know how to get there. And here's, there's a couple of things of, um, of, here's my wisdom on how to pursue some of this stuff. Um, what I love is that the Holy Spirit is with us in this. He, so this isn't Tony Robbins, where it's like somehow within yourself finds it. It's like, no, we have an external power that comes in to help us walk into this. And so, uh, you know, nothing against motivational speakers, I am one, but it's like, you know, uh, but it's this, we've got, as followers of Jesus, we're filled with the Holy Spirit who wants to help us get into this place. So you're not on your own. And what we're going to do at the end of today is just invite the Holy Spirit once more to fill us, to give us the strength and the courage that we may need to take this journey into life. Um, and this, I think, probably bugs my wife a little bit because, you know, Jen can say to me lots of things because she sees me, she really sees me. She sees me for who I really am. And so she has little bits of advice from time to time about how I might be able to improve my life and be a little bit more like Jesus. And it's like, well, you know, and a lot of that has to do with what I eat and how little exercise I do and some of those things. And so, um, and, and she gets consistently, we've been married 11 years, and it's like, she'll say these things and then the Holy Spirit will speak to me a month later and I'm like fully on this new you know, exercise regime or I'm like, you know, I've got a new devotional thing I'm frothed on. And it's like, now the Holy Spirit speaks through Jim, which is super annoying. Again, she's not in the room. Um, which, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I'll be quiet, Holy Spirit. Um, but what I, my point is this, that if I look at my life, I could be overwhelmed at how much has to be done. And what I love about God is he's very gentle. And he just, it's one little thing at a time. And I've been following him all of my life through all the ups and downs. When I was five years old, I got my little knees and I invited Jesus into my heart. And ever since that day, uh, through, again, ups and downs and times I've been faithful, times I've walked away, but for the most part, I've been chipping away with Jesus. And I, I now have an awareness of how much work had to be done to this point um, that I was unaware of, certainly in my 20s. It was like, in my 20s, it was just that next thing that the God was calling me to work on. And I chipped away at that. And then I thought, I'm sorted, completely sorted. I'm like Jesus now. And, and again, my experience of God being a little holiday. It's like, yeah, doing all right. And then gentle or sometimes not so gentle, revelation of another area of brokenness. Oh, dear. And it's like, okay, let's begin to work through that. And over the, as, the, as years go past, I look back now and I'm like, man, I'm so grateful and his kindness, he just led me through bit by bit, these bits and bobs. And, and, the, and, and I say this to those that have, have walked through many doors of, of healing and wholeness. You have to be careful that you don't get impatient when you see people 20 doors back and just go, oh, come on, and try and take them through 20 doors that took you 20 years to walk through in just a month or something. And so, we, again, let's just let's be patient here. And so the Holy Spirit's with us. Um, and uh, But... Here's my number one bit of advice. If you want to walk into this life, you cannot be passive. You cannot be passive. Like, I can preach till I'm blue in the face and you can hear all the stuff that you like. It's not going to change you. Like, we have a very passive culture in the Western Christianity where it's like we're just very, we just want to sit and we just don't want to do too much mahi. And it's like we're saved by grace, hallelujah, but then we want to make every effort to enter into the rest of God, as Hebrews says. Like, yet you've got to do some work to walk into this life. So it's not about being passive. Um, uh, a guy called Rich um, uh, Velodos, I can't 
I think it's, he says last name, he's an amazing pastor in New York. He said, one of the greatest dangers to the evangelical world is the notion that believing certain things about the Bible is sufficient for our life with God. But as James says, even the demons believe. Faith is responding and stepping out. It's stepping out, it's doing, it's walking into it. So we're moving beyond the entry level, I'm, I'm saved. It's now like I'm, I'm learning to follow the way of Jesus and be formed into him so I can walk into life more and more and more. And so uh, I don't know, again, the Holy Spirit's your chief cheerleader, which is cool. He's like, you can do it. Yeah. And he's, he, can, he can help you with what it looks like to take that next step into wholeness and healing. And so for me, that's required being in counseling. Um, and, uh, and, and Holy, Holy Spirit's kind of like, you know what, I think, mate, you know, time to probably have a chat with someone about that. And um, I think, no, it's not. Every single year I've been in ministry, I've been to a counsellor. I was like, have I been this year? Yes, I have. Uh, um, and um, every year, I'm just proud as punch about that, eh? I'm not ashamed about that. I'm stronger because of it. Like, honestly, like, how can you think you can walk into healing and wholeness without people helping, without actually going into those difficult places and just and, and telling someone the whole truth, nothing but the truth, and just showing your true self to someone that you're then definitely going to ignore if you see them in the supermarket? Um, <laughs> or if, you, if you're really wise like me, I pick people in different towns uh, and do it on Zoom and all that. But, but it's like, this is what we do. And, um, and it's like, I'm going to keep, um, I'm going to keep fighting for this. I'm going to, you know, um, Winston Churchill, there's this um, apocryphal story, it's not true, about him being invited to speak at a school, give some inspirational talk, you've probably heard this. He turns up in front of the school, uh, stands up, says, never give up, never give up, never give up. Bang, microphone down, walks off the stage, that's his speech. Now that's not true. He did a whole, he actually did a speech, and if you're the principal, the headmaster would be totally ripped off if that was it. It was like, really? <laughs> it's like a whole sentence? We paid you how much to come here? But, but, I like it still. I like that story because I'm like, if you just replace Winston Churchill with the Holy Spirit, I think we're on to something. So I never give up, never give up, never give up. Again, if you want wisdom, that's my big thing. It's like, just don't give up. This is what is going to lead to my last point on being kind and patient with ourselves. But it's like, as even this morning, I was praying about this morning, and I just, I think there's someone here this morning that's been entertaining suicidal thoughts because the enemy wants you to give up. And it's like, can I just sell you? The Holy Spirit's here saying, never give up, never give up, never give up. And you had the courage to walk into a church this morning and the Holy Spirit's gonna fill you with new strength and new life and new passion to, to continue to fight for life. You gotta fight for it. When God stood in front of the Israelites, He's like, I stand before you and it's your choice. Life or death, blessing or curses. Like the ball is in our court. Like God wants it for us, but He's not going to violate your free will. It's your choice as to whether you want it or not. And so uh, throughout COVID, and I'm really discouraged, it's like, I'm not going to give up. I'm just going to get back on that wagon. I'm not going to give up. Only reason I'm pastoring today is because I have not given up. In spite of all the discouragement, mainly at myself, it's like I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep, with your devotional habits, you're going to hear this on one of the sessions. Don't give up. Like one of the greatest things we can learn as Christians is just to get back on the wagon. Like to, to boldly approach the throne of grace and say, screw you, devil, I'm back on the wagon. He will want to keep you off it as long as you can. He'll tell you lies like you've got to sort yourself out before you can come back to church. He'll say, also, you just get yourself and all these knots. Like just 
screw it, I'm back on the wagon as of today. I'm not smoking, I'm not drinking, I'm not going to look at that stuff. I'm just going to keep fighting to get back on the wagon. And the Holy Spirit will continue to give you ways that you can walk into life. And it's an invitation. Will you respond to that invitation? Go to the counselling, prayer ministry. Just who cares what people think? I'm going to, uh, some of the most whole people I know went through seasons where they didn't care what the, what the altar call was for. They were up there getting ministry because they were working through deep stuff in their life. And they would just receive prayer Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And they didn't care if they looked needy or if they looked, you know, what it's like, whatever, man. I'm here to meet the, the healer. I'm here to engage with that. Philippians 3 verse 12 says, Not that I've already obtained this or have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ uh, 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 took hold of for me. So, uh, so last, three, last three little top tips. Um, feed yourself with stuff that's going to help you pursue this life. Read the books. Or, and if you're not, I know a lot of you are like, you know, um, aren't, great at reading or whatever. Audio books are another option. Like just feed yourself stuff that's going to help you walk into this life. Um, some of the books I've loved, um, A Sacred Fire. I'm on like my fourth read of that. By We're going to have some of these books. We're going to launch a library soon. We're going to have some of these books uh, where you can borrow them in like a little church library. And uh, we're going to have four or five of the kind of top books that I reckon you should engage with. Um, and that will include things like this book, Sacred Fire, which is by Ronald Rollheiser. That's just been like, it's food for my soul. Wisdom, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer, The Burden is Light, which we've been talking about, um, uh, Ruth Haley Barton's Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, which isn't just about being leadership, it's about life, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, all of those things. It's like read that stuff and it will help. It's not going to change you, but it's going to help give you tools. It's going to help activate your imagination about what life can look like. It's going to raise the bar for you. And it's like, again, as Jen said in her passion um, passion talk, it's like watching hours of, you know, binge watching Netflix in our culture, totally normal. Reading Christian books that are going to help you walk into the life of Jesus, mm, I'm not too sure whether I've got the time for that. And it's like, you know what, don't be intimidated by a book. Treat it like a Netflix series. One night a week, I'm going to watch one episode. I'm going to read one chapter a week, and you'll start to work through books. And it's going to really help you and change your life. So, so feed yourself with podcast books that, that are going to help you in this. The second bit of wisdom I've got is surround yourself with people that want this as well. Surround yourself with people that want, hang out with the hungry, I've, I actually, one of the things that are COVID for me is I'm going to do this a whole lot more. I want to hang out with the hungry because as a pastor, I'm always wanting to like think of, of folks that, that maybe, you know, I'm like, can I convince them that this is worth it? And I'm like, no, you know what? For my soul, I need to hang out with the hungry. I want to hang out with the people that want the life of Jesus. Hang out with, like surround yourself, get in a home church, come along to Upper Click, do whatever you want. Hang out with people that are pursuing this life because you cannot do this on your own. Like you've got too much of a battle in culture, let alone anything else, that's, that's just going to be too tricky. In community, we hang out with people, not the people who can't be bothered, the people that are hungry for this. And lastly, eat the humble pie. If you want to walk in this life, you have to get used to eating the pie of humility. Eat the humble pie. Ask for help. Get some prayer ministry. Kill the pride and walk into life. Like you, you walk into life, God resists the proud but gives grace for the humble. It's grace for the junior, it's grace to conquer, it's to the humble. 
And I tell you what, the pe- I've, I've been a pastor for, for 17 years now. The people I've seen that have been radically transformed are those that are humble enough to say, I need it. I need it. We live in a very self-sufficient culture. We're very proud. We don't want people to see our weaknesses, our brokenness. We're very afraid of our vulnerability. And when you start taking those masks off with the right person, and especially with Jesus, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's actually the enemy wants to keep you chained in fear about how other people will react. Can I just say, every single time someone has sat down with me to confess anything, I've had nothing but joy, nothing but absolute joy that they've, had the, they've eaten the humble pie and now it's brought into the light. And the way that you kill destructive things in your life is to, to stop feeding it crap and to bring it into the light. Sins like mushrooms, they grow in darkness and when you feed them poop. When you bring them out into the light, the mushroom starts dying. Okay, and so that's why, uh, that's why valiant man, it's like, come on, guys. If you struggle with this, eat some humble pie and get on to the course. Sin is not, it should just be normal. It shouldn't even be a humble pie scenario. It should be just warrant of fitness level stuff where we go along to these things because we want the life of Jesus. And again, he wants to not just deal with our brokenness. He wants to lead us into life. He doesn't want to just free us from slavery. He wants to lead us to a promised land. But you've got to deal with the chains of addiction and all sorts of other stuff before you can start walking into that promised land. All right. Last thing is patience on the journey. Patience on the journey for yourself and, uh, and you know, the fruit of the Spirit is beautiful, but you know one of the, the, the best places to practice the fruit of the Spirit is on yourself, on yourself, particularly kindness and patience. Like, it's, there's no silver bullet for walking into the life of Jesus. There's no conference that's going to do it as much as we would like. There's no book apart from the Word of God that's going to do it. You know, it's like, it's just, we, it's a long journey, and it's not a, you know, like the graph is not like a straight line of I walk into wholeness and Christ-likeness. It's like, and in general, the average should slowly be tracking in the right direction. But it's like there's ups and downs. And sometimes we think, oh, I've dealt with an issue. And then it's like, you know, whoa, where'd that come from? I thought I dealt with that. And it can be super discouraging. So no, let's be patient. Let's be kind. Let's take the pressure off ourselves and keep coming, running to the one who can make us clean. Not running away from it, we run to the one who can make us clean. We keep coming back to Jesus, dusting ourselves off, getting back on the wagon. You know, one of the greatest tactics of the enemy, I think, is to discourage us. To discourage us. I'm, I just know, that I just, as I was preparing, I was like, man, I felt a bit discouraged, you know? And it's also middle of the year, it's been, you know, it's been a pretty rubbish year. And, um, and then if you think about, I don't know, like your goals for the year. <laughs> Who had goals for the year? It's like, good luck. How's that worked out for you this year? And it's like, you know, and then we get just discouraged. And the, the, the Lord wants to encourage us. He wants to fill us with fresh courage. It's okay to be discouraged, but let's not stay there. Let's just acknowledge that, you know, it's like, oh, man, I was hoping I'd be somewhere and I'm not there yet. And let's just be kind on ourselves. Let's be patient with ourselves because the Lord is. The fruit of the Spirit is what God is like. He's patient and he's kind and it's okay, but let's not give up. Let's not give up. Let's keep saying, I want to choose this life, Jesus. So we're finishing this series um, we're finishing this series, but it's the journey of our life. And we'll keep, we'll keep cycling back to these sort of subjects. 
because I'm really passionate about this stuff. I really would love us to keep talking about, just to have hope that this isn't just some pipe dream, but it's actually true that Jesus wants to form this in us. But here's the great news, friends. As I said at the beginning, one day he will bring that work to completion. Hallelujah. I can't wait for it. Like, man, life has been a battle, right? Life is a battle. Storms come and all the rest of it. And one day that battle will cease and we'll see him face to face and he will bring the work to completion, he says. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Like, you've got to hold that hope. Like, as, as every year goes past, that hope gets stronger for me because it's like, oh, I thought I was going to arrive one day. You, we're never going to arrive this side of eternity. We're going to keep pressing on. We're going to keep choosing. But it's when we see him, that's when he'll bring the work to completion. That's when he'll bring, hallelujah. I was watching a great movie called Harriet um, uh, about this African-American um, woman in the slave era who helped free um, people. From, she escaped from slavery. It's on iTunes. It's brilliant. It's well worth watching. A stunning movie. Very moving. And, and it struck me, you know, here's these people in slavery and, what, and they're singing about the hope that one day they'll be free. Uh, Negro spirituals were all about that hope. One day the world will be right again. One day this is all going to be behind us and he will return in glory. Like that's the, and it's like the, the, I think the darker and the deeper the pain of life is, the more that eternal hope burns. Like yes, Lord, one day, uh, one day it'll be like that. But until then, we, we faithfully choose the way of Jesus, knowing that the joy and satisfaction that come from being faithful to Christ will always be richer than the mere ease that comes from drifting along the cultural current. That's good, eh? That's real good. That's not mine. That's John Tyson. The joy and satisfaction that come from being faithful to Christ will always be richer than the mere ease that comes from drifting along the cultural current. I just want to speak that over us, eh? It's like, well done. Like every Sunday, I'm like, oh my gosh, people keep coming back to church. I'm just honored. I'm so proud of you today. Well done, guys. You chose. I don't know how big a battle it was for some of you, but you're here because you want Jesus. You want the way of Jesus, and that's a huge win that you made it today. Just awesome. Well done. But let's keep choosing the way of Jesus because as every step on that journey, as we, as we follow him, it gets richer with every step we take with him. And it's not a pipe dream. You can live a life saturated with love, joy, and peace. You can smell like Jesus more and more and more. And you know, Ronald Rollheiser in his book, I finished with this, he talks about, um, ooh, I've done quite well. Um, he talks about, can't wait to tell Charlotte. <laughs> See how long this last point takes, eh? Um, no, I finished with this. Ronald Rollheiser in his book, Sacrifice, is a stunning book. And um, it's centered around these three ideas. Firstly, that the first part of our life is about getting our life together, leaving home and getting our life together, learning to adult, um, and dealing with some of our brokenness and, and, and junk and stuff. The vast majority of our life is learning the way of Jesus, which is to learn to live a life that's a blessing to others. How do we live in such a way that our lives are the optimal blessing to others? That's the, that's the journey we take for the majority of our lives. And then the third point he makes is this. How do we die a death that is of the greatest blessing to others? Very deep, hey? He's like, Jesus just didn't bless us with his life. He blessed us with his death. And how can we die in such a way that's an optimal blessing to our families and to the people around us? And, that's, uh, he, and so the book's focused at that second point about how to live our life of, of blessing. Um, but I just I think of my grandfather, 
who's a godly, godly man. And the reason I preach so passionately about the life of Jesus is because I saw the fruit of the Spirit evident in his life, like evident as. I was like, sanctification is not a theory for me anymore. Next to sanctification in the dictionary in Sam Harvey's mind is a picture of my grandfather. He became a holy man as he just immersed himself in the life of Jesus, faithful to him through the suicide of his wife, through World War II. He did not have an easy life. And he was never a pastor preacher. He was just a dude that sold cars and was an accountant. And it's like he became a godly, godly man. And when he died, his death was a blessing because heaven was in the room. And it was like this godly man finished the race well. And I'm like, I want to finish the race well. I really do. And so that's why, but I'm like, I'm going to just hang in there with Jesus. And sometimes I'm thriving and I'm walking in the victory. Sometimes I'm walking and not fainting. Other times I'm crawling and not collapsing. I don't care what it is. I'm going to stick with you, Jesus. And bit by bit, I've seen you change me and chip away those hard bits of my heart. And I've seen you do a beautiful work in my, and, and then one day, like my grandfather did, I'll, be, I'll see you face to face. And you'll look me in the eyes and you'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest. <sighs> that sounds good. Okay, Life is short. It's like a breath. And, uh, and the invitation of Jesus is that we'd live it well. It'd be a rich, abundant life where we have rest for our souls, where we experience the easy yoke and the light burden. Let's stand together and pray.